Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. John chapter 8 and verse number 30. As he spake these words, many believed on him. Notice the word many. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if, that is a really big word, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And then Isaiah 9, verse 6 and 7. Speaking of Jesus, it said, Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and his peace, there shall be no end. What Jesus starts, he continues and continues and he perseveres and he finishes what he starts. And God meant some things in our life to be continued. And that's what I want to preach to you about this morning. God meant some things in our life to be continued. God bless you. You may be seated. In sports, if a game ends in a tie, we don't stop. We go to overtime. We will continue this event until there is a winner. And wherever there is a winner, there is also a loser. I want to be a winner. How about you? I want to be a winner. And in order to be a winner... You have to be a continuer. Now, I'm going to be a little sportsy for a minute here. I don't know about you, but when I watch, uh, I'll just use a Packer game, for example. When I watch a Packer game and mistakes are made, right away I get real anxious about that. Come on, you can play better than that. Come on, by now, I mean, this is all you do for a living. (laughs) And it's just a game. And, you know, I get anxious about stuff like that. And my son has to call me down. Now, Dad, it is the first quarter. (laughs) We've got four quarters to go here. Don't get all excited like they're going to lose the game. You know what I mean? Because the game is going to continue. And usually, usually the best team wins because they continue and they endure. They they have hardships, they make mistakes, but they continue and they persevere. We can learn a lot from people like that. A lot from people like that. People will, you know what? I'm gonna do this too. People will criticize other people. 
And I, I put this in my Bible, and I, I didn't plan it this way, but I think I should read it to you since I got on this sports kick a little bit. How many of you like sports? Okay, then I got your attention anyway, so. Do you know that the most valuable player in the NFL last year was Aaron Rodgers? And he was criticized on several occasions. And I cut this article out, and the article is called About Criticism. And I'll read a little bit of it to you. Aaron Rodgers has been criticized for not having enough fourth quarter comeback victories and for holding onto the ball too long and waiting for receivers to come and open. Against the Miami Dolphins, Rodgers helped his team to a fourth quarter comeback in a game that included a few spectacular plays that were the result of his holding onto the ball and buying time. On his radio show on Tuesday, Rodgers said, the joy he showed at the conclusion of the game was all about getting the victory and not about shutting up those who question his ability to get come from behind victories. Quote, I feel absolutely nothing but the pure enjoyment of winning a football game. There will always, now this relates to us. I'm not reading the sports section to you today. I have a purpose. Okay? So put yourself in Aaron Rodgers' position. Now remember, this is the best player in the National Football League that's being criticized. And here's how he deals with it. There will always be critics, Rodgers said. Critics thrive on bringing new stuff all the time. There are going to be things they look for and spin or highlight to make their point valid. And as long as there are going to be critics... There are going to be opportunities to prove the critics wrong. And when you prove them wrong in one situation, they'll find another situation. But you can't spend any time or energy worrying about what people are going to try and say about you. They are always going to be there. I'm just going to keep playing the way I play and hopefully win a lot of games here. As for holding on to the ball too long, I'm going to play the way I play. It's been pretty successful around here, 12 and 4 last year. I'm going to hold on to the ball when I feel like I can and get rid of it when I can, but I don't worry too much about the critics. It's talking out of both sides of your mouth, and that's why that stuff doesn't bother me. Rogers was asked what kind of criticism does bother him less now, and if he is he has some kind of a chip on his shoulder. I don't think I'm losing my edge at all. I'm still super competitive. I have a strong desire to be great every time I step on the practice field, the same when I get on the game field. Listen to this. It's a process. I continue to work on allowing things to just roll off my back and not let them get to me too much. Some people have that trait innately, when some people need to work on it a little bit. I think I'm one of those people who's just made a conscious effort to stop worrying about things that ultimately don't matter in the grand scheme of life. A football player is preaching to you today. What is he saying? I know there are going to be people that criticize me. 
I know that I'm going to make mistakes. But I can only do what I can do. And I'm not going to let your negativity bring me down. Anybody like this preaching so far? There are going to be people, I don't care if you're a businessman, employees are going to criticize you. I, I don't, an athlete, even the most valuable player, you're going to be criticized. The president, it doesn't matter who you are, there are always critics and people willing to judge you harshly. You got to do what you believe God wants you to do. And then let it go. What does God want me to do? What's the right thing for this situation? It might not be the most popular thing, but what does God want me to do? I must continue. Now, Jesus tried to bring this home to those that he preached and taught to. Here's an example. Matthew chapter five and verse 38. You have heard that it has been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, that you resist not evil. If someone will smite you on the right cheek, turn him the other also. If any man will sue you at the law and he wants to take away your coat, then let him have your cloak as well. We don't like this, do we? Matter of fact, I've heard some people make light of it. If a man will smite you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also, but it doesn't say what to do after that. So you might get two, but after that, that's not what he's saying. And you go to court. Court is not always fair. Wherever you have human beings, you have the opportunity for mistakes. But it's the best thing we got. And we got to work with it. And we got to trust that even God can be in the courtroom. And even if we lose, we lose. Then he goes on and he says, here's another example. He said, if someone, will, 41, will compel you to go a mile, go with him twain. Give to him of ask, that asks of you and that would borrow of you, don't turn him away. All this stuff is against our nature. Let me explain what this is here about this mile thing. The Romans, when they controlled Israel, set up buoys. We talked about this on Wednesday night. They were like cement buoys, approximately this tall and about this round. And it was mile markers, like we have out on our interstate, okay? For instance, Highway 67 is exit 282. That's a mile marker. And so the Roman soldier could come up to a Jew and say, hey, you, you take my gear and you carry it for one mile. And he could not refuse because the Romans were ruling and that was part of their law that you had to carry it a mile. And Jesus said, ah, oh, you shouldn't have to do that. No, he didn't. He said, if they tell you to take it a mile, you take it too. Why would you do that? Now the Roman knows that he's upsetting you. And he's just waiting for you to give him a hard time so he can make your life more miserable. 
and you turn around and turn the other cheek or you take it another mile or you give them your cloak. That's the point. We have to go beyond the law. We have to do what God places in our heart to do. And then this borrowing thing. Don't borrow money to people. Are you crazy? Keep everything you've got for yourself. Don't think of anybody else. Jesus was breaking all the barriers and telling them to go farther, not to be content with, this is the point, not to be content with just where they were in the law, but to continue beyond the law. You see, the law makes requirements and demands, but the Spirit of God is more generous than the law. The Spirit of God is the grace and the mercy of God. And he was saying to them, you've got to go further. You must continue beyond. And this was hard for them. It was hard for them to even fulfill the law, and yet he's asking them for even more. Here's Matthew chapter 18. Peter came to Jesus. Lord, how many times shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Seven? Jesus said, I say unto thee, until seven, say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times seven. And he knew that Peter couldn't count to 490. That's his point. What am I supposed to do when I keep getting hurt? Continue. I'm gonna, I may hit a nerve today. You're going to get hurt. And when some people get hurt, they quit. Don't you quit. You continue. Serve God. People are going to disappoint you. But continue. Get up and get on with it. Praise God. Galatians 6 and 9, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not, if we continue. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, but especially to those that are of the household of faith. Can I get an amen to that? Here's another example, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 38. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. We are in this for the long haul. It's not important that I finish in first place, but it is important that I finish. I'm not competing with you. This is about me and my relationship with God and I must continue. And I can't express to you enough my great, great concern for this generation and the attitude of quitting too soon. I've, my, it was said of, of my father's generation that they were the greatest generation of all. And they had a stick to They made sacrifices, Great Depression, World War II. Marriages were much stronger, families were much stronger than they are now. We are getting 
a quitter's mentality. And that should scare us. Well, if you don't like your job, you can't get along with the employees, or you don't like your boss, quit. If you can't be happy with the one that you're married to, divorce. If your kids won't listen to you, disown them. See, we, we just, we're real quick to quit. We don't want to work through things. And what you don't work through with this job is going to follow you to the next job. And you don't need a change of a spouse. You need a change of an attitude. And you don't need a change of an, of an address. Again, you need a change of attitude. You got to change where you are. You got to continue. You've got to persevere. You got to stick it out. You got to see it through. And, and when the going gets tough, then the tough get going. And if it's worth having, it's worth fighting for. Fight for your marriage. Fight for your job. Fight for your family. Don't quit. Continue. Continue. Because it's worth it. Brother Brown, you just talked about how many years you've been married. How many years you've been married now? 42. Isn't that great? That somebody can be married for 42 years? I'm put you on the spot just a little bit. Did you ever have an opportunity to quit? Did you ever have tough times? Did you ever have financial problems? Did you ever really disagree? How in the world did you make it? Wouldn't quit and God helped him. And the same can be said of Liz and Rick Kiley too. I can say this before God. If God hadn't come into our lives at the time he did, we wouldn't be married for 44. But thanks be to God and to some determination. Some determination. Now, God wants us to continue in two things. He wants us to continue in his works and in his words. Okay? Take a look here at Mark 16, 15. This is what he told the disciples. We call this the Great Commission. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. These signs shall follow them that believe. This is how you'll know they're believers. In my name they'll cast out devils. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. And they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Signs of the believer. They are to continue in his doctrine and they are to continue in his works. If you read the gospel, or excuse me, the book of Revelation, chapter two, an admonition to the church, Revelations two and five, remember therefore from whence you are fallen and repent and do your first works or else I'll come unto you quickly and remove your candlestick out of this place except you repent. Repent. 
So we're supposed to still be doing the things that we did when we first got saved. Okay, so I want you to, I want you to go for a trip with me for a few minutes down memory lane. Okay, I want you to go back. Go back to when you first came to know the Lord. Do you remember? Do you remember the first time you ever came into a Pentecostal church? You, you were, your eyes were wide open and your hands weren't up, they were down. And, and you were so concerned about everybody around you and you felt like everybody was looking at you. You thought the preacher knew you were coming? He prepared a message and pointed his finger at only you. It was all a setup. Your friends had betrayed you. They told everybody you were coming, and it wasn't true at all. But you felt it was. Do you remember how hard it was for you the first time you came to an altar? It was tough. Boy, it was, it was humbling to have to kneel down somewhere and pray and admit that you were wrong and, and that you were on the wrong track. Repentance is not easy. It is painful. It is death-like. And remember the crying and the tears and the sorrow and the fear and the worry and the guilt? Do you remember all that? And then when you asked God to forgive you and his presence came over you and you, you felt his presence perhaps for the first time, do you remember what that was like? But is that just a part of your history? Or is it a part of your legacy? Do you remember what it was like to be baptized in Jesus' name and to have your sins washed away? Do you remember what it was like when you came to the altar and received the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Oh my goodness, I remember, I remember my brother and I remember my wife and I, I would come to the altar every service. We had three services a week minimum and every service I would come to the altar. I had repented, I had been baptized, but I couldn't receive the Holy Ghost. It was such, so difficult for me. And service after service, I would come to the altar and I'd get in my, my little cubicle and I'd get in my position and I'd, I'd pray the same prayer over and over again and I'd beg God to fill me with his spirit. And I was so frustrated after a while coming to the altar and nothing happening. And I said, God, I've done what I was supposed to do. But I learned in all those times that I came to the altar, I learned how to get a hold of God for myself. I wasn't caught up in a rally. It wasn't a group thing. It was a one-on-one -on -one thing. And I remember getting so frustrated that I, I, I spoke to one of my good friends and, and his, I'll just give you his first name and I said, Gene, I said, Gene, I am so frustrated. I'm one of the first at the altar every service and I'm one of the last to leave and I'm not getting anywhere. And the thought had crossed my mind that God was never going to fill me with the Holy Ghost and I should just stop coming. Just sit in your pew. But Gene said no. No, he said, Rick, 
You need to come to the altar tonight and you need to come with a different attitude than you've come with over the last four months. Four months this went on. My brother and my wife both received the Holy Ghost the same night and it was easy for them. And I was upset about that too. And he said, you need to come tonight and you need to come with this attitude. I'll never forget it. He said, you need to come and you need to say, if I have to stay here all night, if I have to miss work tomorrow and take a personal day, I'm staying at that altar till I get the Holy Ghost. That's how important it is to me. And I did that. I went with that determination. And that particular night when I came to the altar, I got in my old position again, said my old prayer, and then my friend tapped me on the shoulder. And he said, hey, Rick. He said, I've never seen anybody get the Holy Ghost with their face in their hands. He said, why don't you just lift up your hands and begin to praise God? Stop begging. You don't beg for gifts. Repent and be baptized and you shall receive the... You don't beg for a gift. A gift is given by the generosity of the giver. Amen? So lift up your hands. Oh boy. I've never been here before. I've never been there with the lifting of hands at the altar stuff. And he said, by the way, why don't you just stand up like a man? Ooh, man, he's pushing me. He's pushing me, but I needed to be pushed. And so I stood up and I lifted up my hands. And I'm telling you, you'd have thought that I was a honeycomb and all the bees from everywhere came. Man, people were all around me, praying for me and screaming and yelling and spitting and telling me what to say and how to do it. And I said, Gene, 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 I can't even hear myself think. What am I gonna do now? And he said, talk louder than they do. (laughs) He had an answer for everything. And so you know what I did? I just, I don't wanna scream into this microphone, but I screamed as loud as I could, Jesus, I need you and I want your spirit right now. And I didn't care what anybody thought of Rick Kiley at that moment. The pride was all gone. The only thing that mattered was that I needed Jesus and I needed him right now. And I lifted up my hands and instantly, I'll bet it wasn't 30 seconds, God filled me with the Holy Ghost. I couldn't stop speaking in other tongues. I couldn't speak English. Say, why are you telling us this story? Because folks, we've got to continue. Some of us have stopped short. Oh, God's never gonna fill me with the Holy Ghost. Man, just take it one step at a time, but continue. 
Keep moving forward. Don't quit. Don't give up. Continue. I learned how to get a hold of it. Four months of my life were not wasted. I learned how to get a hold of God for myself. And I learned about the breaking of a person's pride. But we've got to continue. Say, well, I don't know what you're talking about, Brother Kylie. I've had that experience years ago. This does nothing for me. Really? Then let me ask you this. When's the last time that you continued at the altar in repentance? When's the last time tears ever came out of your eyes and you were sorry and admitted that you were wrong and that you needed an adjustment from God? When's the last time you came to the altar and without any pride, just pure humility, you worshiped God to the point that the presence of God was so strong you couldn't even speak in English anymore? Are we continuing to be filled with the Holy Ghost? Or do we just have a history? Do we have a legacy? Do we have a relationship? Are we continuing in God? Are we growing in God? Are we becoming stronger in God? Or are we just existing? Just hold the fort. Just hang in there. Just don't give up any more ground. They asked Patton, how are the troops doing? We are constantly advancing on all fronts. We ain't holding anything. What's your exit strategy for D-Day? We don't have an exit strategy. What's your backup plan? We don't have a backup plan. We're just going forward and we're gonna do what we said we're gonna do. That's the way we need to be as Christians. We can't let all these naysayers and exit strategies and critics and offenses and problems detract us from pressing on from continuing our walk with God. We can't. The doctrine was meant to be continued. We know Acts 2 and 38. I don't need to read it to you again. We know Acts 2 and 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and prayers going from house to house. Are we continuing that? Are we still apostolic in our doctrine, prayer, fellowship, Bible reading? Are we continuing? First Timothy says, continue thou in the doctrine, for in so doing you will save yourself and them that will hear you. Boy, I'll tell you what, that's, that's a verse of scripture we better know. We have to continue. Now, not everyone will continue. I don't have this in my notes, but I'd like you to bring it up. John chapter six. I want to read this passage to you. Remember, do you remember our text? I'll read it to you one more time. As he spoke these words, John 8, many believed on him. 
But take a look here at John chapter six, and what a coincidence that it is 666. John chapter six, verse 66. From that time, there it is, the word many. From that time, many of his disciples went back. And they walked no more with him. Take a look around you just for a minute. Anybody missing? I'm not talking about vacation. I'm not talking about maybe somebody's not feeling well this morning. But you've been around here long enough. Take a look. Is everybody here that was once here? Where are they now? Can't walk with him anymore. They left him. He said, no, they left us. No, no, they didn't leave us. This has never been about us. This has been about him. This is about their relationship with him. We're not an excuse. I, we don't want to be a stumbling block. But what can separate us from the love of God? No creature. No event, isn't that what it says? Only we can separate us from him. Read it to you again. It was a hard saying, you go ahead and take the time and try and read. But from that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. This is what we call backsliding. Let me tell you what backsliding is. Backsliding is one step backward at a time. We get farther and farther from the altar, and farther from the word, and farther from fellowship, and we don't even realize that we're on our way back to where we came from because we think we're still looking at the Lord while we're walking backwards, and we don't see it coming I don't want to be a backslider there's there's nothing to go back to folks there's nothing listen to what listen to Jesus' sorrow in his voice here verse 67 Jesus said unto the 12 now I'm down to 12 I've lost my congregation how many times did Jesus lose congregations? It's not about the numbers, folks. Straight is the gate, narrow is the path, few there be that find it. Broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there are that enter therein. It's not the majority. Don't get caught up in the numbers. Well, I, you know, there's some mega churches out there, and they've got thousands of people in their churches. So does Shackley. <laughs> just, because you, just because you have a gathering doesn't make you a church. The word church means separated or called out ones. Ones. Not tens, not hundreds, not thousands. Ones. We are the separated. Called out. Ones. Ones. 
Don't get caught up in the numbers. But he said, what about you? I'm down to 12 now. What about you? Listen to what Peter says. I like this guy. He, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. What's there to go back to? Who is there that can lead us? And here, this is my final thought today. You have the words of eternal life. Did you hear what Peter was saying? My life is meant to be continued. Now every one of us in this room, I know you don't want to hear this, we're all going to die. Sooner or later, if the Lord tarries, we're all going to die. If the rapture takes place, again, we're all going to die. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we'll meet the Lord in the air and the mortal will be immortal. But you will die on the way. Because it is appointed unto a man. You're going to die once. But he'll be with you in that too. Okay? But here's the point. Your life is meant to be continued. Death is the intermission of the movie. It will continue in just a few minutes. So go refresh yourself. Take a dirt nap. It'll be all right. And when you wake up, eternal life. Because you continued in my works and because you continued in my words. So your life, and and if you're not a member of this church and you hear this tape, I'm saying this to you too. Every soul belongs to God and you are meant to be continued. You get to choose your own residence. In my father's house, Jesus said, are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. Why? Because your life is going to be continued. Now, how do you want it to be continued? As the friend of God, as the bride of God, as the child of God, or as the enemy of God? As somebody that God would have to say to you, I never knew you. You're going to continue too. Some things are meant to be continued. But in this life, we need to stay in the race. We need to finish the course. We need to keep the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for us a crown of righteousness which the righteous judge will give us at that day. Why? Because we continued. Let's stand together. So I don't know where you are in your walk today. But I know where you should be. And I know what the altar is for. And I know a merciful God 
that loves you so much and wants you to come to him with whatever you have and whatever you need. And he wants you to finish what you've started. Jesus, I pray for myself and for this congregation. Thank you for allowing us to know what the qualifications are to enter this race, that we must be born again, and and the plan of salvation that we cherish, and the doctrine that we have promised that we will continue in. But Lord, help us most. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.